I pray you've got the Word of God with you today. Go ahead and be found in Mark chapter 2. And we'll be there in just a few minutes. Mark chapter 2. We have made our way to the first Sunday of October. We started the first Sunday of September in our emphasis called Tell Someone. And there's a lot of different ways that you have been involved in that. All of our Sunday school classes in, in one way, shape, form, or fashion over the last four weeks, well, five weeks counting today, and you have one more week next week. Uh, after those six weeks, all of your classes, uh, you as a member of your class ought to be able to share your faith. Some of you are using the, the Bible Studies for Life material uh, that uh, will help you in your relationship with Christ. Some of your other teachers are, are doing other things, but the main point of all of that is for when you get finished with that, that you would be able to know how to share your faith. You remember the little pamphlets that are in your Sunday school rooms. That's got a gospel uh, presentation, gospel outline that you can follow. So that's one way that we've been participating in this. Another way is through our actual emphasis, the 3151. The three is praying for three lost people to come to Christ. The one is learning the gospel uh, presentation, the gospel conversation. Five is inviting five unchurched people to church and then the number one and where we'll be this morning is sharing the gospel at least one time during this nine-week emphasis we started in September we're in week number five uh, so one time during all of that to be able to share your faith last week we started um, recording kind of where we're at as a church what we're doing seeing where we are at and seeing what is going on uh, let me share some of those results to you today that uh, as of this week in our adult college Sunday school classes 334 people are being prayed for to come to Christ so praise the Lord for that uh, 153 people learned the gospel conference presentation this week that was our college and adult uh, Sunday school attendance today and then uh, 68 people were invited to Sunday school uh, or to a small group class this week. And then 25 gospel presentations were made just this past week. And we're going to do that over the next, all the way until the end of this month, just to see where we're at. The bottom line to all of this is what? Is to see people come to know Jesus as their Savior. Yes, we want them in a Sunday school class. Yes, we want them in church. Yes, we want to pray for them, but more importantly than that, we want to see people come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. That is the bottom line. In Mark chapter 2, we find a passage of Scripture where Jesus uh, uses an illustration of someone who is sick, someone who has a dire need. He, he needs help. He is paralyzed. And Jesus uses this illustration to heal the man, but more importantly, to show that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and He can forgive sins. So follow along with me in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, and following. The Scripture says, and again, He entered Capernaum, and after some days it was heard that He was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and He preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was, laying, was, was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they had reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? 
Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sons are forgiven you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose and took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. That is an awesome statement. We have never seen anything like this. When you in the presence of Jesus or you introduce someone to the presence of Jesus Christ, I can assure you, you have never seen anything like this. The most exciting spiritual moment in your life is when you share the gospel to someone and they get saved. It's the most exciting feeling, the exciting moment that anybody can ever experience is to be in the presence of someone to come to know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. So four things I want to bring out from this text of this uh, passage of Scripture. There's two groups, really three groups of people in this passage. The first one are the four men who's carrying their friend to Jesus. That's the first group. The second group, of course, is Jesus, the individual. And the third group are the religious folks of the day that are sitting down in the house. So back up in verse 1, the Bible says, And again he entered Capernaum. After some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together. There was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Imagine the scene at this house. More than likely, it's probably Peter, Peter's mother-in-law's house. It's in Capernaum. That's where, they, that's where they hung out a lot. That's where Jesus was. That's where the disciples were. That's where those who wanted to hear about Jesus many times were there. And as they were in the house, there were so many people there that it was standing room only. And they could not even get to the door because there were so many people there wanting to hear about Jesus. And yet four men in verse 3, the Bible says they came to Jesus bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. So the first one this morning, as we think about sharing the gospel at least one time during this emphasis, during this campaign, is this. The first one is this. It's a personal friendship. These four men had a personal friendship to this man who was a Was he a relative? We don't know. Was he just a good friend? We don't know. Was he an acquaintance of somebody else? We don't know. Was this a man that they just saw on the street somewhere and decided to pick him up? We don't know. But one thing we do know is that they had a personal friendship with each other. These four men had a personal friendship with the one who needed to be healed, the one who needed to go, Jesus. There were some major obstacles that these four men faced. First off was the man's condition. This man was paralyzed. The four men didn't go knock on his house and say, Hey, Jesus is over here at this house and he's teaching. Why don't you come with us? Instead, they had to carry the man. A personal friend will do anything they need to do to get their friend to Jesus. They will try anything. They will work as hard as they need. They will exhaust as much energy as they need to get their friend to Jesus. And if it meant carrying their friend on a stretcher, we will do it. Because we want to get them to Jesus. So there were some major obstacles uh, the first one is the man's condition. The second one is the crowds. As they're carrying their friend. 
And they're carrying him to Jesus. As they get close, they probably saw the crowd. They probably heard the crowd. And they very easily could have said, it's not worth it. We can't get to him. There's too many people there. There's, there's, there's too much. There's too big of a crowd there. So we can't go. You know, crowds are very interesting when it comes to religious folks. The only crowds that religious folks don't like are church crowds. Because they can sit in an 80,000 seat, seat stadium and do whatever they want to and yell, yell as loud as they want to, but don't get them in a sanctuary crowd. <laughs> but these were not normal religious folks. These were people that wanted to get their friend to Jesus. And even though there were crowds, they tried something different. They wanted to get their friend to Jesus. Number three obstacle, believe it or not, were the religious folks. You notice one thing interesting about this text, and back up in verse 6, that the only people that were sitting were the religious people. And they weren't sitting because they wanted to hear a good gospel message from Jesus. They were sitting trying to listen and see what Jesus would say something that was contrary to what they believe. They wanted to put him on something. They wanted to pin him down on something. And while everybody was standing room only to the point that some people could not even get into the place, there were people that were sitting down. And as the four men came, they probably said, what are they doing here? We have no more room. And not only that, this man's on a stretcher. So there were some major obstacles when it comes to these four friends. You know, when you begin to invite people to church, and you begin to invite people to the gospel, there are going to be some obstacles. There are going to be major obstacles. And the only thing that gets you through those obstacles is your love for Jesus. And because your love for Jesus is greater than the obstacles, you will work through them if it means your friend coming to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Friends don't let friends die and go to hell. Friends will do whatever they can to get their People, their moms, their dads, their son, their daughter, their brother, their sister, their co-workers, their schoolmates, whatever they need to get them to Jesus because they believe so passionately that Jesus can save. So there's a personal friendship when it comes to sharing the gospel one time during this emphasis. It's because we have personal friendships and we love our friends so much that we want to tell them about the greatest person on this earth. And his name is Jesus and he can save. But only personal friendship. But number two is persistent faith. Is persistent faith. The scripture says in verse number four, And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. A persistent faith couple of things about this faith. It was persistent, but a couple of things about it. Number one is that they were creative. Now, can you imagine as they come up to the scene and they see the crowds and they hear Jesus and they begin to look around? Okay, how in the world are we going to get right in the middle of where Jesus is? You know, the religious folks are not giving up their seats. You know, no one else is going to let us in. So let's climb up, maybe even go to the next house because they were so close together and climb their roof and hop over to the house and let's let him down there. They were extremely creative. When they got their friend on the stretcher, there was nothing that was stopping them. No matter what obstacle, no matter what they had to do, they wanted to get their friend to Jesus. Now, what's very interesting about 
roofs during this day. This was not, as you can imagine, a, a tin roof that has like a little door and they just slid the door over and let the man down. A, a roof during these Bible days was really, they, they would lay timbers down. And, and on those timbers they would lay different types of logs and different types of sticks. But then they would actually add, add dirt and some of the ground and pack it in real tight so that when it rained, it would not go in to uh, the home. And on top of that dirt, dirt would actually be grass. One of the things I remember about growing up where my parents live in, in Nesbitt, there was a house we used to call the underground house. I've never seen anything like it up until that day that the, the, the owners of the house, they would drive into their their, their uh, uh, driveway and they would go down and turn to the right and go in their garage and it was literally underground they had no shingle roof they had no tin roof they would cut their roof with a lawnmower it was the underground house the grass was their roof they had one of the most pretty roof prettiest roofs I've ever seen in all my life nice Bermuda grass no weeds it was growing they'd fertilize their roof and do all types of things but as a kid growing up it's the underground house and as I was studying that this week I said God this is very very similar although they didn't go down they had to climb up and when you talk about letting someone down in the roof you're talking about or in Bible days, removing all of the dirt and the trees and even the dirt falling down into the crowd. They wanted to get their friend to Jesus. They had a persistent faith. They were creative. Number two, they were also sacrificial. Somebody's got to fix the roof. Somebody's got to pay to fix the roof. There's no price that's too much when it comes to somebody coming to know Christ nothing and there's not a greater investment that you will ever make into an investment where somebody can come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior if it means tearing up an entire roof of a house that we don't even own then we're going to do that that's what the four men did and as they're tearing up this roof, you can imagine the crowd yelling up at them. What are they doing? What in the world? Somebody's on the roof and, and I've got dirt in my hair. And they're messing up our church service. And, and, and next thing you know, this man comes down on a stretcher with strings and with rope and, and sat down right in the middle of Jesus. Can you imagine the looks of the religious folks up at the four men? The four men saying, well, y'all wouldn't let me in, so we had to come to the roof. We wanted to be with Jesus. This man needs Jesus. This man needs to be healed. And more importantly, this man needs to be saved. They have a persistent faith. Is your faith that persistent? Can I tell you what the average Christian would say? Ah, that's too much work. I don't want to offend anybody. That's going to cost too much. And we give doubt after doubt after doubt. And what the Lord is trying to do in our hearts is to grow our faith and to make us more persistent. Whether it is creative or sacrificial or whatever the case may be, when difficult situations arise, we don't just say or run from it, but instead we take courage, we take action, we face it head on. We don't wimp out, we don't run, we don't hide, but instead we take it Straight on. A, a faith that is persistent. Anybody can back out. But it takes a faith that is persistent to continue on. When challenges come, when those obstacles are there, it takes faith 
that is persistent to help us every day. When you are in a situation that creates fear, but you face it head on, you will feel a rush of satisfaction knowing you displayed courage when it comes to sharing the gospel. There's a persistent faith. But let me show you a third thing. As the scripture goes on, verse 5, Jesus says, when Jesus saw their faith, Notice the pronoun there is plural. He's not talking about the faith of the paralytic. He's talking about the faith of the four friends. When he saw their faith, and I would even include the paralytic as well, all five of them, when they saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, what was the man's greatest need? For many of you would say, he needs to be healed. He can't walk. He has a, 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 uh, a, a diagnosis that is lethal, that is deadly, and he can't do much in his life. You would say he needs to be healed. He wants to be able to walk. Can you imagine the man just coming up and walking and, 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 and everybody knowing that Jesus is Savior? But instead, Jesus does something because verse seven says, verse 6 says, and some of the scribes are sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, but immediately when Jesus, what's that word? Perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves. Jesus is saying, I know why you're here. And here comes a paralyzed man being dropped down right in front of me. Number three is permanent forgiveness. Permanent forgiveness. When you begin to share your faith, you have a personal friendship that gives you an open door. It gives you an open door to share the gospel. One of the things that I am doing as, as pastor, one of my goals as, as pastor, and I haven't said this a whole lot because I did not know if I'd be able to do it, and I still don't know if I can do it or not. But I'm trying to meet every member of First Baptist Church. Now, before you think that's an easy task, we have about 500 members. And you know how many attend, so I've got the FBI working with me now. And we're trying to, re trying to locate <laughs> some, of these, some of these members. Because I'm, 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 uh, all the easy ones are gone. <laughs> Let me just say that. And some of these are your family members, and I've talked to you about. And uh, I assume because they are a member of this church that they are believers. But for many of these, maybe have not come for 20 or 30 years. And maybe there was just a uh, check in the box of membership. Maybe there's nothing real. So it has given me an open door as a pastor. Hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church. I'm going through the membership role. I've noticed you were on the membership. What's your story? What's going on? We'd love to have you back. If you're attending somewhere else, then get plugged into that church. But if not, come on back here. and We'd love to have you back. But it gives you an open door because of a personal friendship. Now, I don't know all these personally, but I want to know them because I'm their pastor. And I want to love on them, and I want to share more about what God's doing here at First Baptist Church. So there's that personal friendship. Then you go to the second part, and there's that persistent faith. And that persistent faith leads to permanent forgiveness. The Bible says in verse 5, sons, your sins are forgiven. You see, the greatest need in this friend's life was salvation not physical healing the greatest need in the life of your friend is not physical healing it's spiritual 
healing. And I wish as a church family that we were just as excited or passionate about putting names on a spiritual prayer list as we are a physical prayer list. See, we pray for people all the time to be healed physically, and we need to do that. That is biblical. But I pray that that passion would be just as much when it comes to our friends who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. His sins are forgiven, the Bible says in verse, uh, verse 8, but immediately when Jesus proceeded in the Spirit, they reasoned thus, thus within themselves. He said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? He says, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sons are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins, he says to the paralytic, or I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. You remember what the, what the religious people said? Who is he that can forgive sins? Only God can do that. So Jesus says, okay, to prove to you that I'm the Son of Man and I've forgiven him his, his, him his sins in the same way the paralytic man gets up and he walks out. There is a permanent forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins is a far greater work because it cost Jesus his life. That's why he went to the cross. Friend, your greatest need today is Jesus and your greatest need is forgiveness of sins. He alone can save and He alone can forgive your sins. Jesus and Jesus alone. Then number four and last one. There is a profound freedom. Profound means a deep, a genuine freedom. The Bible says in verse number 12, Immediately He arose, He took up the bed, and He went out in the presence of them all so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Can you imagine the response of the man who had never walked before? He's filled with joy. He has a profound freedom. He has a freedom like he's never felt before, not just physically, but also spiritually. Can you imagine the response of those who were there? Not the religious folks. They were mad. But the other folks that were there. They're the ones who said, we've never seen anything like that. A profound freedom. Jesus can heal, but he can also save. Can you imagine the four guys still on the roof? I'm sure they were up jumping around, hollering around. Some of them maybe even flew through the hole down to the middle with them and take their friend out and took them home. There's a profound freedom when somebody that you know comes to know Jesus as their personal Savior. There may even be people that you don't even know, but people that you come in contact with. So I challenge you this week, and for the next five weeks, just one time, would you share your faith? Share your faith with those that you love, those that you know, those that you don't know. Share the love of Christ, of what He's done for you, those personal friendships that you have. True friends will introduce friends to Jesus. Make sure your faith is persistent. Don't give up because there will be obstacles. There will be challenges all in your way. But be persistent. And when you're persistent in that, as you begin to share your faith, salvation is a God thing. There is a permanent forgiveness that God will offer to those who respond to His gospel call. But how can they hear? Unless somebody tells them. And that's our goal. That's our mission. That's our job, is to share. We plant the seed. It's up to God to bring the increase. We plant the seeds. And when God gives the increase, friend, there is a freedom that you will experience 
that nobody ever, unless they've been where you are, has ever experienced. Let me tell you another thing. When you lead somebody to Christ, they won't be your last one. You'll be fired up. and You'll be excited. And you'll say, you know what? I like this. I like introducing people to everlasting faith in Jesus. And that's what I want to be. And that's what I want to do. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads all across this room. All across this room. The Bible says that Jesus, He alone, can forgive sins. He and He alone. Today I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus to come in your heart and to save you from your sins. See, that's your greatest need on this earth is salvation. So right where you're at, if you believe the Lord Jesus is speaking to your heart, He's convicting you of your sins, would you open up your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I know today that I'm a sinner. I know today that I need you. I believe in my heart that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead on that third day. And today you are at the right hand of the Father. So today, Lord, I confess my sins to you. And I invite you into my life, into my heart, and take control of everything that I have. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart and to save me today. You may have just prayed what I just prayed. And I believe genuinely if you prayed and you asked Jesus to come in your heart, that your sins are forgiven, that you've been born again, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior. And the next step after that is to make it public. The next step after that, just like the man who was healed, he went out in the presence of them all and ran. And the people said, we've never seen anything like that before. Friend, if you ask Jesus to come in your heart in just a minute, I'm going to ask if you would to come. I want you to step out where you're at and publicly, publicly profess Jesus as your Savior. You can come down here. I'll be down here in the front. Say, so, Brother John, I prayed, and I asked Jesus to come in my heart. And I want to introduce you to the church as a child of God, as a faithful follower of Jesus. And we want to celebrate with you. There are no secret Christians. So I encourage you this morning, if you prayed, that you'd come. There may be other decisions you may need to make this morning. I encourage you to follow God's leadership however he, however he may lead today. Father, we thank you for this invitation time, Lord. And I pray that those who have invited you to be their Lord and Savior, Lord, you'd give them that courage, that you would remove all obstacles for them to be able to come and to publicly profess that you saved them and that you are their Savior today. Lord, other decisions give courage, give leadership, give wisdom as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing together. God